Hello, camp counselors, campers, and everybody who has ever referenced going to band camp in a joke. I'm Maddie Hammond, and you're listening to Camp Stories. If this is your first time listening, stop now and start at Season 1, Episode 1. You'll want to listen to this season in sequential order. If you're returning, welcome back to Camp Harwood. July 28th, 2019. In the spirit of Sycamore Girls Weekend, we all woke up this morning with equally bad hangovers. For what was probably the last time this summer, we walked to the diner on the lake, settled in a corner booth, and ordered a ridiculous amount of coffee and greasy food. I was really happy to have some quality time with the Sycamore Girls, even if it came with a headache. As we sat there in the booth, I looked at the women who have become my sisters this summer. I feel so lucky to have them in my life now. Full disclosure, I was also daydreaming a little bit about Jonas and sitting alone with him last night. When I'm with him, I feel calm but excited at the same time. I was snapped out of my daydreams and back to hungover reality when the bell on the front door of the diner jingled and Lucas and Becca walked in, holding hands and laughing. Cue collective eye roll from all the Sycamore girls. As if their loud laughter wasn't obnoxious enough, Lucas and Becca sat together in a booth near us, on the same side of the table, which, in my opinion, is the most annoying thing a couple can do in a restaurant. Sit on the same side of the table with nobody across from them? Ew. Callie got my attention and told me to focus on the Sycamore Girls Weekend, not on their bullshit. We had some planning to do. After all, the last session of camp is when Cabin of the Year is chosen. Cabin of the Year is exactly what it sounds like. Recognition for being the best of the best. It's an award for staff, not campers. A chance to be recognized for going above and beyond, embodying the spirit of Camp Harwood, and being generally better than everyone else. Of course, we want Sycamore to win. Every cabin has to do an end-of-camp service project, which gives them a chance to shine. We decided to overachieve and do two projects, one that involves the campers and one just for us staff to make a difference. With the campers, we're going to do a camp cleanup, using our free time during the last week of camp to pick up trash and make sure the natural areas of camp are left in the way we found them at the beginning of this summer. Callie said that including the kids in this will make a bigger difference, plus it encourages the campers to take pride in respecting the environment. I couldn't have agreed on the importance of this more. Our staff project for the four of us is right on brand for Callie. We're going to go from cabin to cabin on the last day of camp and collect donations for the local thrift store. This way, everyone's discarded clothes, furniture, etc. aren't thrown in the dumpster on camp and sent to the landfill. This might sound a little self-centered, but I'm really glad we're doing some extra service projects because they're great resume builders. I'm happy to help the Harvard community but I'm also happy to have more to show from this summer resume-wise than just watched kids sail boats. After we treated our hangovers with omelets, pancakes, and bacon, the four of us went back to camp to shower, chill, and get ready for the last session of camp. 
It's known that session one has the relaxed kids, session two has the crazy kids, and session three is sort of a mixed bag. Three has a totally different vibe because it's arts camp. Although session one and two have some arts, theater, and dance programming, session three is designated arts camp, and as a result, has a totally different daily schedule. In the mornings, all staff work at arts programs rather than their normal programs. It's easy to place people like Jonas who have musical or artistic hobbies and talents. Even I have a pretty natural fit, writing. The writing program falls under the theater umbrella, so this will be a fun change for me. I have very little experience in writing for theater, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Plus, I'm leading the younger kids, so it's a low-pressure environment. Mostly, I'll just be there to make sure everyone is enjoying writing. I ended up back on traffic duty with Dave, which was nice. I've enjoyed our tradition of weekend catch-ups during check-in. He told me all about his weekend. He brought November home and spent Friday night and most of Saturday alone with her at his family's house. He's enjoying their physical and emotional connection and really wants to stay with her after camp is over. I haven't even thought about how a camp relationship would work after camp ends. I hope the best for Dave in November. They seem like a great fit for each other, even if it didn't make sense to them right away. With all my fantasizing about Jonas, I haven't even considered what would happen if we got together. It's a bummer and definitely not part of the fantasy, but I don't think we could work long distance. He lives in Germany, after all. But that's a bridge I can cross if I ever get to it. Dave is helping with theater this session, too, so I'm hoping we'll get to collaborate at some point. When I got back to Sycamore, a bunch of girls had already made themselves comfortable and were drawing, writing, and crafting. There was a very obvious contrast between the performers and the other types of artists. They were comically introverted and extroverted. But differences aside, they all seemed like arts kids. We played the name game for the last time this summer, going around the circle and saying our name, where we're from, and the piece of art that inspired us the most. It took me a few minutes to pick my favorite piece of writing that would relate to the campers, but they all seemed happy when I said I love Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Just like in the previous two sessions, we had a big opening campfire after the sun went down. It's weird that this was our last one. Maybe I'm just getting nostalgic before this summer is even over, but being at the last opening campfire had me thinking about how much I've grown as a person this summer. I feel so much more independent. I feel like I've lived. And I feel like although this story isn't over yet, it's already worth telling. July 29th, 2019. Running the writing class is actually a lot of fun. Liam and I are teaching junior writing. We're a great team because I know writing and he's just a cool guy, a great, well-respected counselor. Our class is made up of junior campers and 10 and 11 year olds. It's a small group, just seven campers. All but one are very shy and quiet. 
The little boy who isn't quiet is named John. He's nine years old and already my favorite camper this session. John was wearing a Jurassic Park shirt today, and when we asked for the word of inspiration for the day, he quickly raised his hand and declared, Dinosaur. Every day we're going to let a kid pick a word of inspiration for the group, and they'll write a short story based on the chosen word. We encourage them to read their stories aloud at the end of class if they want, because this helps them get comfortable with public speaking. The whole point of the writing classes is to help the kids enjoy writing outside of the traditional school environment, and to show them that writing is fun. John got up in front of the group and read his short story about a T-Rex who didn't fit in with his human friends because he couldn't do the floss dance. It was very cute and pretty funny. And you can't beat the creativity of a little kid. In the afternoon during arts camp, we have two normal camp program periods. Today, I was at skiing with Jonas, who called dibs on me as a spotter right away. As we loaded the skiing gear onto the boat, his hands brushed against mine a few too many times for it to have been an accident. I liked it, but I like him. We took turns driving the boat and spotting and had a great time catching up on the awesome kids we met in our arts programs. He's leading senior guitar, so he's working with some very talented older kids. I'm already looking forward to seeing them perform. Capture the Flag was our evening activity, and the arts kids were hilariously uninterested in it. It wasn't that they resisted playing, but they were way less competitive in the athletic setting than the kids in the other sessions. A lot of the kids even brought notebooks with them and sat around writing and sketching instead of participating in the game. Honestly, their focus on creating is an inspiration. Because these young kids are so dedicated to their art, they make me want to do the same. I did some writing on the porch after the kids went to bed, and it was relaxing. No promises, but I'm going to try to savor my journal entries this session and think of writing every day less like a chore and more like a chance to tell a story. July 30th, 2019. Back in junior writing, Camper John suggested the word of the day, waffles. Maybe I should have let a different kid choose, but the other six kids seemed too shy to contribute. John read his story aloud. It was about a character he created named Waffle Man, the superhero who saves the world by turning bad guys into waffles and eating them. Kids are weird and awesome. The oldest camper in junior writing, an 11-year-old girl, came out of her shell a little bit after John read his story and volunteered to share hers. It was less crazy than John's, just about making waffles the morning after a sleepover. I was proud of her for standing up and telling her story. At lunchtime during arts camp, we play music in the lodge. It's totally an excuse for staff to play music they like under the guise of helping expose kids to more music than they hear at home. Today, Benny chose the Beatles as our meal soundtrack. I was surprised at how many kids knew the words and spent lunch hours singing and humming along. 
I like the Sycamore Girls this session, but honestly, they're a little boring. It's a big change of pace from the insanity of session two. I know this is going to sound bad, but they're blending together in my head. None of them are particularly exciting. Friendly, but they don't stand out from each other. I was back at the swimming buddy board this afternoon. I spent most of the time mindlessly doodling in my notebook, but ended up getting in the water for a few minutes to cool off. I haven't spent a lot of time in the lake this summer, and really should make a point to get in the water more. It's really nice. Now that we're in the final session, I'm feeling sort of mentally all over the place. I'm feeling tired and constantly in need of a shower, but I want to take advantage of every moment I have here. And I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm almost craving something weird to happen so that my summer can be brought to a climax, just like any other story. July 31st, 2019. Morning writing class was really fun. I'm enjoying spending time around creative kids. I feel like it's fueling my own creativity. Sweet Camper John said one of the other kids should choose the word of inspiration for today. And after some coaxing, one 10-year-old girl volunteered the word cloud, inspired by the view out the window. About halfway through the program period, a big storm rolled through, which made most of our campers nervous. They're pretty young, so that kind of response to a big storm was normal. I'm glad Liam is my partner this session. His strong and reassuring presence really calmed the kids down, and he was able to get them to refocus on their writing activity. It rained through lunch, rest hour, and into afternoon program time. I thought I'd get to spend the afternoon in Sycamore, relaxing and writing. Instead, Bert came by in one of the old camp trucks, picked me up, and drove me down to the boathouse to do chores and help him take inventory of the boats. He was really short with me and grumpy the whole time, almost like all the bonding we've done this summer never happened. Later in the day, Jess told me they got in a fight last night. That explained his shitty mood. They've been on again, off again all summer, and he's always nicer to me when they're together. Jess told me that his bad side is showing again, and she refuses to spend time with him when he's being nasty. Kudos to her for not putting up with his shit. It was still rainy during dinner, so Benny announced that our evening program would be lip sync. The few outgoing girls in Sycamore said we should do something really big and theatrical, and Alexa suggested we choose a song by Queen. Bohemian Rhapsody was our first choice, but that song is so long. Instead of changing our song, we decided it might be fun to collaborate with another cabin and put on one big campy performance. I texted Dave, and we decided to make use of our brother cabin by doing a Sycamore Cottonwood group performance. We brought all the kids through the rain to meet in the arts hall and put together some really fun choreography. Even the more shy, introverted kids seemed to have a lot of fun. The boys and girls were delightfully social with each other, significantly more so than the non-arts kids. 
I suppose this is because they have very specific common interests. Our performance went over great. I am really proud of our kids. The junior boys had a standout lip sync. They all dressed up like animals and ran around the stage to Africa by Toto. John, dressed like a zebra, was very funny. He seems to enjoy writing class, but the kid is a natural entertainer. He shines as a performer. As much as I've been trying to keep the Lucas and Becca drama out of my journal and out of my story, I couldn't help but wonder if Birch's lip sync was somehow directed at me. I know that sounds vain and egotistical, but it seems right in line with the passive-aggressive shit Becca is always pulling with me. They performed the censored version of Lily Allen's Fuck You, and Becca kept looking over at me. The kids did a fine job, but it was very uncomfortable. And a little inappropriate for 11-year-olds to perform. But that's none of my business. August 1st, 2019. Last night after I wrote and went to bed, things got weird. We all woke up to the sound of what we thought was hail, but was actually rocks being thrown at the outer walls of Sycamore. We heard some muffled female voices, and Alexa, Jess, Callie, and I ran outside to see what was going on. We didn't see anyone, They must have run away and hidden very quickly. They did, however, leave a large rock with the words, fuck you, painted on it on our porch. I immediately assumed it was from Becca and Birch as a reference to their lip sync, but there was no proof. We sent Benny a picture, told him things had quieted down, and went back in the cabin. It took the kids and us a while to calm down and fall back asleep. In morning writing, the 11-year-old Birch girl didn't say anything regarding the events of last night, but she did provide the word of inspiration. Revenge. That couldn't have been a coincidence. I started thinking about how Becca might be trying to start a rivalry between our cabins. I knew this happened in camp movies, but I didn't think that Harwood had this kind of orchestrated drama. I was pretty distracted all morning and through lunch. I always try to dodge Becca and Lucas when we're in the same room, but today I kept my eye on them, especially Becca, from a distance. Callie and Jess met with Benny briefly during lunch to discuss our theory that Birch was trying to start drama. So now, he's looking out for us. We told our campers to let us know if any other kids on camp, especially in girls' camp, from any other cabin target them because they're sycamore. We don't want them to be stressed or scared, but we also want them to know that we're all on the same team. Team Sycamore. The rest of the day was quiet and uneventful, but I felt on edge and uneasy. August 2nd, 2019. Morning writing was pretty normal, but the girl from Birch wouldn't look me in the eye. 
It gave me a feeling that something nasty was going to happen today. I was right. When we got back to Sycamore after lunch, the cabin was a disaster. A bunch of stuffed animals had been pulled apart and thrown around the cabin, leaving morbid trails of fluffy filling all over the floors. There were arms, legs, and other assorted dirty plush body parts all over the place. It was a teddy bear massacre. I found a giant decapitated teddy bear head on my pillow. Its eyes had been pulled out and painted over with red X's. It could have been a coincidence that my bed was the only bed that had been touched, but it felt like I was the target of the creepy prank. Benny and Amanda immediately came out to girls camp. And while the campers stayed in the cabins, we spent rest hour having a mandatory staff meeting at the campfire circle between our cabins. Benny demanded an immediate stop to the nonsense, stating very firmly that not only was this behavior unprofessional, but that it is terrible behavior to model for the kids. To me, Becca looked guilty. She put up a front during the meeting, but shifted her eyes to her fellow cabin staff a few too many times for it to have been a coincidence. The afternoon was exactly what I needed. I spent it spotting on the ski boat while Jonas drove. I told him all about the attacks on Sycamore and why I think Birch is responsible for them. He stayed pretty up-to-date on the Lucas-Becca drama ever since the 4th of July party where I first caught them hooking up. Jonas is just the best. His presence was calming, as always. He's a great listener, and like usual, let me talk as much as I needed without interrupting or interjecting. I just have this massive crush on him which isn't news. But I have these massively strong feelings for him and I don't know what to do about them. I keep trying to be rational and tell myself that pursuing Jonas is unrealistic, that I'm probably reading too much into his interest in me, but he's so wonderful and kind and strong and sexy. By the time we got to Friday night campfire, I was feeling much more calm. It was nice to be at camp on a Friday night, even though I was a teeny bit on edge with Lucas and Becca there. Jonas played Obladi Oblada on guitar after teaching the chorus to all of camp, repeat after me style. It was fun hearing the kids all sing along together. And it was calming. August 3rd, 2019. Because it's arts camp, we had the arts hall open for weekend open program time, as well as the usual camp activities. I tried to trade and be at swimming with Jonas or literally anywhere else for the day, but I got stuck monitoring the arts hall with Becca. It was so uncomfortable. I tried to make small talk with her and act like a normal person, but she didn't even acknowledge me. Instead, she put her headphones in and worked on choreography. Honestly, whatever. 
I just want to clear the air and have less drama. I'm not sure why it has to be so awkward. It isn't her fault that Lucas didn't want to be with me, that he chose her over me. If I was mad from the 4th of July, which I'm not, my anger would be toward Lucas. He's the one who hurt me. But here is Becca, perpetuating the narrative that because he chose her over me, the two of us girls have to hate each other. I'm not about it. But I don't see a way to make it better other than continuing to be the bigger person, despite her efforts to make me look small. The good news is the arts hall was pretty quiet all day, so I did some brainstorming and writing. Plus, there were no attacks on Sycamore all day. A big group of us planned on heading to Dave's house for the night, so after all the other staff got back from their night off, we piled into cars and left Harwood. Jonas and I sat together in the back seat of Dave's SUV and made no effort to leave space between us. I thought maybe tonight I'd be bold enough to make a move. We stopped at the liquor store on our way out of town to get supplies, aka frozen pizzas and mixers for the liquor Dave's mom left at the house for us. While we were there, we ran into Lucas and Becca, which was awkward because Even though Dave and Lucas are close, Dave had not invited them to join us for the weekend. Not only because of my awkwardness with them, but because Becca isn't particularly nice to a lot of us. Unfortunately, Dave being the good guy that he is, he invited Lucas and Becca to join us for the night. To my horror, they accepted his invitation. When we got back in the car, Jonas took my hand, looked into my eyes, and said, Hey, it's going to be okay. I'm here with you. And in that moment, it was okay. The relatively large crowd at Dave's house made it easy enough for me to avoid Lucas and Becca until a big group drinking game started and we were all obligated to play. I poured myself a very strong Mountain Dew and vodka and sat in the circle next to Jonas. Lucas and Becca were being so obnoxious. At one point, Becca locked eyes with me and pulled Lucas in for a kiss, never breaking eye contact with me. Like, I get it. He's your property. I'm not trying to be with him. It was really uncomfortable, so I kept drinking to ease my nerves, which, surprise, surprise, was a terrible idea. A big part of the night was a blur. Jonas stayed by my side for a lot of it, doing his best to make sure I was having fun. At one point, I really had to throw up, so I asked November to come outside and hold my hair for me. Goddess that she is, she obliged. On our way back inside, I found Lucas alone in Dave's driveway. And I don't know what came over me or how it started, but I went up to him and started yelling at him for all the drama, which I never wanted. And I remember telling him to get Becca off me. And then I was crying. And he took me by the waist, pulled me close, 
and tried to kiss me. I was horrified and sobered up very quickly. The rest of the night, I remember well. I ducked under his arm and screamed, What the fuck? Don't fucking touch me. I must have been yelling pretty loud because Dave and Jonas came running out of the house. Jonas came straight to me, took my hand, and led me inside. Dave started yelling at Lucas. All I heard was, you are not welcome here. Jonas brought me to a couch in the rec room at Dave's house, far away from everyone else. I just cried. And I couldn't stop. He didn't try to stop me either. He didn't tell me to put my chin up or smile or ignore the fact that I have human feelings. He just sat next to me, confidently rubbing my upper back. It was so kind. I ended up, once again, crying myself to sleep in the arms of my giant German Prince Charming. Thanks for listening to Camp Stories. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for the next chapter in Liz's adventure.